0: Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciples, Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. I've been reflecting every day pretty much these last weeks on John's Gospel, and I've been so moved by so many things. I feel like I'm, I'm reading it for the first time over and over again in the same day. John 14, verse 1 has struck me lately. And it's interesting how often I'll not read it, because I'm so used to reading it with verse 2 following, you know, about um, how in my Father's house there's many dwelling places. And, uh, but John 14, 1 just starts out, Do not let your hearts be troubled. And um, it's interesting that Jesus has a view of us, his disciples, as people that actually have the capacity or the ability to not let our hearts be troubled. Is your heart troubled? How often do you experience your heart being troubled? And um, what do you do when your heart is troubled? You know, I think about anxiety, and so often, you know, we do things out of anxiety. I, for years, I've, I've done so much of my actions um, that maybe have even been praised my ministry actions out of a sense of anxiety like of of feeling like i'm not doing enough um like worry about this or that person and um jesus is wanting uh, us to come at our ministry and our life from a different place not from a place of our hearts being troubled and um and there's this real beautiful uh, teaching throughout the gospel of of john but really strongly in John 14 and 15, about being in this place of connectedness to our Father in heaven, that Jesus himself embodies, models, where um, we're, we're really in the flow of hearing God's words and doing God's works, rather than works that are, quote unquote, of the devil, which uh, Jesus uses strong terminology. To describe sort of works of the flesh in contrast to works of the spirit but anyway let's go back to verse one do not let your hearts be troubled so um what do we do is it's not just about taking a chill pill you know um being calm deciding um to use a substance to drown our sorrows or you know just blow it away in different ways you know like It's not about escapism. I mean, there are ways that we don't let our heart to be troubled. We just go on Netflix or we smoke weed or we have a drink or a second or a third drink or we exercise or, or we do ministry. There's so many things that we can do, right? But what Jesus says is the remedy is, believe in God, believe also in me. So Jesus is saying, don't let your heart be troubled. In contrast, or um, yeah, as a remedy to that anxiety, believe in God. Believe also in me, in Jesus. So Jesus is telling the disciple this. He's telling you this. He's telling me this. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now I want to skip over this part about in my house, in my father's house. There's many many dwelling places, and and just go further into uh, Jesus's encounter with Philip and uh, you know he's in this amazing um, conversation with Philip where you know where or before this Thomas is saying Lord we don't know where you're going and how are we going to know the way you know the the concern about about connecting with Jesus after he leaves um, that's a big concern of the disciples who were actually with him in his earthly life but For us who have never had him with us in the flesh, you know, we're we're totally uh, having to deal with this all the time. Like, how do we connect with this invisible Jesus? And Jesus says, um, I am the way, the truth and the life. Okay, that doesn't seem very helpful, does it? Jesus, um, you know, he doesn't make it really easy for us to understand, you know, something concretely about where he's going to go. But he tells us this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if we're looking for the way, if we're looking for the truth, if we're looking for the life, look for Jesus. But where is Jesus? And where is Jesus um, leading us? No one comes to the Father but through me. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the way to the Father. And he goes on, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and you've seen him. Jesus is really concerned that his disciples know his father as their father. And we need that so bad ourselves. We need to know the father of Jesus as our father. So Philip says to him, Lord, show us the father and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have you, have, I've been with you so long Yet you haven't come to know me, Philip. And this is interesting. This is very much the same language as John 1, where it says, you know, the, the word that was with God in the beginning and was God himself to, through whom everything was created. It was life, the light, the light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness couldn't overcome it or didn't understand it. And then um, he comes into the world. And though the world was made by him, the world didn't know him. Right, that's the same language here as um, have I been with you so long, Philip, and you haven't come to know me. Gnosko in Greek. The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? You know, um, Jesus asked that question of Philip and, and I... I want to answer that question. Do I believe that Jesus is in the Father? Uh, I do. I think I do. I want to. I, I choose to. And so Jesus says, um, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. So Jesus is um, inviting his disciple to really recognize himself as one with the Father and as united with the Father. But as a man, as the Son, Jesus is modeling what it means to be a human being, who is a son or a daughter, a child of God. And what he wants them to understand and us to understand is whatever he speaks, they don't come from himself but they come from the father that who is remaining abiding in him and who does his works, uh, through the child, through the son, through Jesus, through you, through me, this is meant for us to read as applying to ourselves. And, uh, so easy to not do that. If you've grown up in the church and you've read these stories as, as Jesus speaking about himself and not about us, believe me, that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. And what works is Jesus talking about? Um, You know, if we look at some of what's happening prior in John's Gospel, you know, we have uh, signs that are mentioned. You know, the first one being the the turning of water into wine, the second one being the healing of the nobleman's son. You know, we have then the the story of the, of the guy who's paralyzed, who's by the pool of Bethesda. Bethesda. And then we have the healing of the man born blind. And remember, in the healing of the man born blind, John 9, uh, the disciples are saying, well, who sinned in order for this man to be born blind, the man or his parents? And Jesus says, neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me, and I love this, we, he's not just saying I, and so there's an inclusive, uh, you know, first person plural, we must work the works of him who has sent me, as long as it is day, night is coming when no one can work, so Jesus uh, is saying that the works of God are going to be displayed in this man who's born blind, and and then they are, because Jesus uh, spits on the ground, makes mud, anoints the man's eyes, sends him to the, the pool of Siloam. The man comes back seeing there's this amazing miracle. And that is um, one of the works, right? And the works in John's Gospel, when if you look at just that term, ergon, work, and the verb uh, ergazamai you know, to, to work. Um, these words are always referring to signs and wonders, you know, miraculous actions of Jesus that he does, not because he's just choosing to, according to Jesus, here and elsewhere. But he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I what the Father tells me, gives me to say. He is modeling a kind of, unity with the father that is exemplary and that is also for us to be to learn to practice to, to learn to be um in that place of uh, you know of complete connectedness you know remaining in jesus in the father in the holy spirit and that's um those are the works that we're called to do Believe me, Jesus says, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. And um, think back to Nicodemus and coming to Jesus by night. And Nicodemus, you know, um, says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now uh, the term "sign" is sort of almost like a synonym for work in John's Gospel, and there's only been one sign that has been called a sign here, which is uh, the miracle of the turning of the water into wine, which apparently only the servants were uh, who you know who filled up the jugs with water, the purification jugs, and then brought the wine to the head of the of the marriage feast. Apparently, they were they and the disciples were the only one that witnessed that, so. So, maybe the signs uh, here are inclusive of all the, all the miraculous actions, like uh, just prior to this, it says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs, which he was doing, and, uh, you know, which were his healing of people, and casting out demons, and uh, right prior to that, cleansing of the temple also, was that one of his signs? And, um, so anyway... Then what Jesus says in response to Nicodemus, who says, uh, "You know, no one can do this unless God is with him." Jesus says to him, "Truly, truly, I say to you." That means Jesus is really emphasizing this, doesn't it? Unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And uh, this famous text that can be translated: "Unless one is born from above, he cannot enter the kingdom of God." And and Nicodemus is thinking of it being a literal re-entry into the womb and then exit birth. And Jesus says, um, "Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh; that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so we're talking about a spiritual birth, where we become a child of God, and um, that." brings us into this place where, um, you know, where the wind blows wherever it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but don't know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. So being born of the spirit brings us into that identity um, as a, a child of God. And um, when we have our new identity, where we're not just living out of, of the flesh but we're living out of the spirit you know that which is born of flesh is flesh that which is born of the spirit is spirit when we're when we're doing our living and ministry out of that place of of new identity new birth that is uh, that requires faith in order to do that and which is why jesus says don't let your heart to be troubled believe in god believe also in me so then he goes on in verse 12 Truly, truly, I say to you, once again, truly, truly is emphatic. It's Jesus, like, really wanting to get a point across. It's like bold-faced, underlined statement. He and she or she who believes in me, the works that I do, she, he will also do. And greater works than these he or she will do, because I go to the Father. So Jesus is Um, wanting his disciples and us too as current um, disciples here in 2022 to be, I guess, comforted and assured that since he's going to go to the Father and he knows, you know, what our situation is firsthand and he has embodied uh, this way of being a son, being a child of God in a full way that we can learn about through reading the gospels and he's going to be right there with the father. And, um, and so that's going to make, it's going to give us a solid stance as sons and daughters of God, uh, because we have Jesus as our high priest interceding for us so that we can do these greater works. Um, recently I was doing this Bible study and someone was saying with greater works, that's love. Okay. Because like first Corinthians 13 talks about there's, Faith, you know, the, if someone prophesies, and it's like um, nothing if we don't have love. If someone, you know, I mean, knows all the mysteries or speaks in the men of, of the lang- of the tongue of men and of angels, but doesn't have love and gives his life as an offering and to be burned, doesn't have love. It's nothing. So love, yes, of course, love is. There's faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So some people, myself, in the past have said that the greater works are just our love and um, and it's true that Jesus says uh, a new commandment he gives to us which is that we love one another and yes love is really important and um, however love is really never associated directly with work you know with the works of God and so I think we need to be careful because um, in my past I've found refuge in love as a way to in a way, escape the, the tension of, of of thinking that I'm called to do signs and wonders, you know, like, like see people get healed and, and cast out demons and engage in the ministry of Jesus that he engaged in, or greater things than that, greater things than turning water into wine, than healing a man born blind, than, you know, telling a man who's been lame and who's been sitting for 38 years, has had a terrible condition to take up his... Uh, mattress and and walk or you know or to uh to raise lazarus from the dead like greater works than than these jesus and uh yes i think that jesus is wanting us to be put into a kind of crisis and um and ideally to to get excited about this truly truly i say to you the one who believes in me the works that i do she, he will do also And greater works than these he or she will do because I go to the Father. And certainly loving enemies is, is a great work. Very, very, very uh, difficult. It requires supernatural uh, empowerment, doesn't it? And love is what this is all about. All these works of Jesus were manifestations of love. You know, um, someone who's chronically ill, who gets healed by Jesus, thats that's love really um, becoming effective in their life in a way that brings healing, transformation. Whatever you ask in my name, Jesus says, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So I love this. um, Those who believe in Jesus will do greater works than Jesus. Okay. we ourselves are called to heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, proclaim the good news, you know, love our enemies, all these things. Um, and yet also, when we do that, we sometimes feel the weakness of, of, of even those, those beautiful signs and wonders when they don't happen in a way that's, that's visible, That where we go away discouraged, or even when they do, it doesn't always lead to transformation. So, uh, in addition to doing these works and greater works in Jesus, we are called to ask, you know, um, in the name of Jesus. And uh, to cry out, um, asking anything in the name of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I I will do it. And um, certainly I'm in a situation like that where I'm crying out all the time about, people that I love who I want to see Jesus, uh, the Father, the Holy Spirit, really touch and heal and transform, and myself as well. And then Jesus goes right into this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, I, I love this because right away, this there's a new dimension here. Love, you know, uh, believing in Jesus is important. But, you know, but love is really where it's at in the sense that if we're really loving Jesus, if we're believing in him and loving him, that we will observe his commandments. Um, the word entole, commandment, is um, can mean actually words that Jesus has said to his disciples, uh, like in the Beatitudes or, you know, love your enemies or teachings. But these words can also mean um, just God's living word to us that comes to us and um, and that tells us what to do, what to say in a given situation. I'd like to um, backtrack a tiny bit and just talk a little bit about just this term ergon work in John's gospel. Um, interestingly, the first time it occurs is um, in John 3:19. This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light for their w- works or deeds. Same word, ergon, or evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his works or deeds will be exposed. But the one who practices the truth comes to the light so that his works or deeds may be manifested as having been Wrought in God or worked in God. So really, deeds that are um, not man, not not worked in God, not coming out of a relationship with God, are are considered here to be evil, which maybe seems like an extreme word or a harsh word, and um, and yet I think I think we're meant to read any works that are even good works that are coming out of another place as, as, as being of the flesh. And then, um, and then even potentially evil in contrast to the works that are the ones that God has shown us that are the works of God. The works of God are ones that the father shows this, the daughter of the son us and Jesus is modeling those works in contrast to religious works, which, um, you know, which might be good works in a sense, but really aren't the works of the kingdom. They're just, uh, you know, they're just, uh, works that come out of the flesh works that come out of striving works that come, uh, that maybe actually help people, but maybe they create a sense of indebtedness, um, or, or they're just not effective. They're not fruitful because they're not, they're not works that are of God. And so they're, they're called evil, and I think we can be distracted by those those works, and those works often compete with the authentic work of the kingdom, which is all about empowering people and bringing healing and 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 building up faith and and radical dependency and and close following of Jesus as disciples. Jesus goes on the second time that Aragon occurs is John four thirty four. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to accomplish his work. Mm -hmm. So my food, Jesus says to the disciples who say, have you eaten? And, um, you know, after he's been talking with the Samaritan woman at the well, he says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to accomplish his work. And then um, chapter five, verse 20, for the father loves the son or daughter and shows him her all things that himself is doing. And the Father will show him or her greater works than me so that you will marvel. So um, the love that God has for the child, you know, you and me. Um, Jesus, of course, reflect, is reflected in the, the reality that God is showing us all the things that God's doing. And so when we're in that flow of love and we're, we're abiding in that love, we're going to be in that revelatory space where we're seeing what God is doing and we're engaging in those actions and even uh, greater things. Jesus says, God's going to show us. John um, five thirty six. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John the Baptist for the works which the Father has given me to accomplish. The very works that I do testify about me that the Father has sent me. And um, and so that's what is the, the manifestation of like these signs and wonders are actually um, they bear witness to, you know, to the to the, the reality that God has sent Jesus or sent us. Here's um, another text that I think is really a critical one. John 6, 28. Uh, so the, the people are saying to Jesus, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? And uh, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Mm -hmm. So, believing in the one that God has sent is the work of God. That is, um, so believing in Jesus. So back to John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And, um. There's many other texts that talk about, you know, um, works. and um, and there's a contrast in in chapter seven and eight between the works of of, 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 of God and the works of of, of the devil. Um, but I think the critical thing to know, you know through just this this partial word study, is that you know the works of God, are meant to inspire faith and signs and wonders were really part of the evangelistic sort of mission of the early church you know they were to go out um, and their words were confirmed by the signs that followed okay the signs of the works according to the last verse of mark's gospel and the works also show um, the manifestation of the word becoming flesh so like john ten thirty seven. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. So God wants to reveal God's self, you know, and does it perfectly through Jesus, but also does it through us as we we step into action as disciples who know our identity as sons and daughters so back to john chapter 14. if you love me you will keep my commandments and i will ask the father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever that is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him but you know him and he uh, he because he abides with you and will be in you so once again the language of john 1 um, the word comes into the world the world doesn't recognize him. He comes to his own. His own people do not receive him, right? So the helper, like the word, is uh, the spirit of truth. The world can't receive it because it doesn't see or know him. But you know him. Do you know him? Do I know him? I I want to know this spirit of truth. Do you? I want that spirit of truth to abide more fully in me and to be, uh. Um, in me and in you, Jesus says, "I won't will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And um, in that day, you will know that I am in the Father and the Father in me, and I in you. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. So." This is, to me, the really key thing that I want to get at right now is um, the one who has my commandments and observes them. You know, like being in the flow of God's commandments. That's the one who um, who loves Jesus. And uh, the one who loves Jesus will be loved by Jesus' Father, our Father. And Jesus will love you and me and will disclose himself to you and me. So, um, last week we were, we were praying for somebody and, um, who got healed of, of a, of a lung condition and it was really beautiful. And, um, as I've been trying to listen to when to pray for people for different situations, I, you know, I'm always trying to pay attention. I've been trying to practice this, you know, like the commandments tuning into the commandments of Jesus or the father, um, letting the Holy spirit guide me in, um, as I was telling the story about the healing of this person from a lung condition, I, um, one of the people raises his hands, who's kind of a new person that's been coming to our Bible study, who was a crack addict for maybe 30 plus years. He's been two years clean, but, um, he was a Vietnam vet and he was really deeply impacted, uh, through the, by the trauma of the war and began smoking crack and, his lungs have been really damaged by the smoking um, smoking, and his heart as well. And he s- speaks so faintly. He spoke so faintly. He raises his hand and said, I have that problem, COPD. And I said, well, um, can we pray for you? You know, right away, I just sensed God wanting us to pray for the guy. And so he said, yes. So uh, we gathered around him, uh, some of us that were at the Bible study and laid hands on him, and prayed for him, and just blessed him, and blessed his lungs, and you know, right away, he noticed um, that his lung capacity expanded, and the next Sunday, he came, and he said, you know, um, that he felt like he was completely healed, and his voice was louder, and this last Wednesday, he came again, and and he spoke uh, out about how God had healed him of this uh, lung condition, and it was beautiful, and this is a person who knows so many people, so many addicts in our community um, know them, know this guy who smoked crack with them in the past, and and it, and like this is a man who now is just like on fire. He's he's like praising God. He's an older guy who's who's really experiencing the kingdom of God, and and wow, I'm I'm really excited, and I want to keep trying to pay attention and listen. You know, yesterday we were um, out visiting someone way upriver in this little town, and um, there was a guy who was a, a a man who was cutting firewood for a living, and his his girlfriend. They were they were there in their in their truck. It was all hopped up. This old, you know, kind of beater truck, but it was all jacked up and huge knobby tires, and he had chainsaws hanging from it and axes and. He recognized me and said, oh, man, I know you. And I said, oh, really, where? And he says, oh, yeah, from the jail. I was there so many times, you know, when you were going. And I said, oh, the new jail or the old jail? No, the old jail. So this is a guy that I did recognize him. um, But, you know, um, it had been a while. So I was just like, oh, so what's up? How are you? And he goes, well, pretty bad. I just had my shoulder replaced. You know, I mean, the guy's not that old, like maybe 50. And he had to have a shoulder replacement, and he said, yeah, my shoulder is in so much pain. And so I said, oh man, well, hey, what, you know, we can pray. You want prayer for that shoulder? And he was like, yes. Yeah. So, um, but once again, I was, I was really seeking to be in the flow and to listen. I wasn't just automatically offering to pray because he had a problem. I, I had actually noticed the scars on his shoulder prior to him even saying anything. And I think that was the spirit showing me. And I I often notice things. And then afterwards I realized I'd noticed them. But I hadn't noticed that it was probably the spirit, you know, that was alerting me to something. So we need to train ourselves to be able to notice uh, what we're noticing, noticing what, notice what we're seeing. Anyway, we prayed for this guy and uh, named Joe and, and, um, and then I asked him how, how is it feeling? And so he just reached, reaches his arm up in the air. And he said, wow, I could never do this. I couldn't do this five minutes ago. And his girlfriend said, whoa, you couldn't do that. And, um, and it was exciting. I mean, these guys, they were excited. There was uh, the pain had left. There was mobility. And, and of course, we don't always see everyone healed who we pray for. But Jesus is telling us um, that truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do he or she will do also in greater works than these he or she will do because I go to the father, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son or daughter. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So let's, let's work on that this week, paying attention to, um, Believing in Jesus and, and in the Father and and tuning in to that love and the words, the suggestions that come our way that could be these commandments and let's practice them and experience the kingdom of God.